Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, the Food Fan, here at Food Fan Headquarters with another exciting episode of Asheville Food Fans. It is a podcast that I do throughout the week, and then I string it together for broadcast on WPVM 103.7 FM, the progressive voice of the mountains, here in beautiful Asheville, Western North Carolina. All right, everybody, I've got a great show lined up for you today. Bunch of interviews with a bunch of interesting people. Me and David Brown took a road trip out to Sisu Bread, S-I-S-U, bakery in uh, Can- Candler, North Carolina, just outside of Asheville. And we talked with Chef Maddie Sundquist, the baker, and we ate a ton of bread. And this bread was incredible. And there's a long portion of us eating bread and talking to Chef Maddie coming up. And I want to apologize a little bit for some audio stuff during that interview. There were some machines running in the background occasionally while we were talking. And also, you're going to experience the sound of three grown men eating bread and uh, I, I personally do not like to watch people eat food on videos and such. So I don't usually talk while I eat. But during the bread portion, we are talking and eating bread and talking with our mouths full of bread. And I apologize for all of that. But Maddie is a super interesting guy making super awesome bread. So I really encourage you all to get out there. And then I've got an interview with Flory and Marisha from foodconnection.org, a wonderful um, organization here that delivers hot food to people in need. Uh, You'll learn more about that during the interview. And at some point, I'm expecting a pizza delivery, and that might happen during the show, a pizza from Drew Peterson from Asheville Pizza South. He might be here. And at the end of the show, I'll review a few things. All right, so let's get on with the show, and I'll check in with you later. Brad, we're going to try bread? We're going to try some. Yeah, what are we going for first here? This would be the uh, green olive and thyme puppy. And those are Castle Bertrano olives? Yeah. Nice. So, everybody, I'm here at Sisu Bakery with Maddie Sunquist, the baker. Oh, God, that looks beautiful. He just cut into a beautiful olive loaf. Can you describe that for us, Maddie? Yeah, this is a pavi, like a French loaf. Uh, it's got a little bit of rye, a little bit of whole wheat. Nice green olives, a little bit of thyme, a uh, real rustic loaf uh, with a long ferment on it. So it's going to be a little tangy, a little nutty olives, and then you got the little herbs in there. So nice. Just a little something special. Nice. And we have a beautiful array of pastries out here. I'm here with David Brown from Doc Brown's Barbecue. He insisted I come to the Sisu Bakery. Hey, David, how are you? I'm well. I'm well. I'm, uh, I insist everyone comes to the Sisu Bakery. I'm just trying to get the word out about the, the beautiful things that Maddie makes. Oh, hold on. Gorgeous things. We I'm have about to oh. eat some bread. Hold on. All right. And while David eats, I'll describe. We've got some cinnamon rolls oh. that are beautiful. Everything is beautiful to look at, first of all. Like, visually, everything's beautiful. Very European in style. And uh, we've eaten, I don't know, five different pastries so far. They're all excellent. How's that bread, Doc? It's amazing. My mouth is, I can't. The drooling. The, the drooling. The salivating. Yeah, that's what people are uh, really, really love to hear. I'm not much. I'm just saying it's really amazing. It's good bread. That's all I got. <laughs> I'm not an expert. I just, uh, the just, olives are nice and firm, so they hold up to the bake. The salt that comes, that they provide. Mm-hmm. Mm. Now I'm having some of this bread, and it's awesome. Castle Vertrano olives are my favorite. They have a nice uh, sort of meaty texture almost mm-hmm. and they're not stringent like a lot of olives are they're very mild and to me you can really taste the olive oil in a in a castle for olive this is so good this needs to be dipped in a little bit more olive oil uh, <laughs> be perfect with olive oil yeah and some manchego cheese or something like that oh my god so chef maddie how'd you get started in this wild world of baking you know uh one day i was sitting at the house didn't really have much going on. A friend of mine moved to Raleigh and started working at a bakery, and they were going to hire someone. Need someone just to make cookies. They told him, he told them about me, gave me a call. They offered me a job. So I packed my stuff and went to the bakery. 
Nice. And I have never left it since. And how long you been doing it for? Um, this will be coming up on 22 years. Wow. And how long has Sisu been around here? We're out in Candler? Candler. We're in Candler. We're in Candler. Unincorporated Buncombe County. <laughs> Thank you, Doc. We've been open for almost eight months now. Okay. <laughs> All right. And... And so you're at the farmer's markets, and you have regular customers who place orders online. Is that how it works? Yeah, we're getting into the farmer's markets this summer, and everyone just orders 24 hours in advance for breads, or 48 hours in advance for breads, 24 for pastry. If you want a combo, then it's a 48-hour order. Okay. You just order what you want, however much you want, and uh, tell me what time you want to pick it up, and you come by and pick it up. Sounds super casual. Yeah. It really yeah. is. Everyone just comes, and they... They like their little personal. You get to talk and hang out and, you know, get everything custom. And that's the one of the lovely things you can do when you have a little shop like this. Now, this is the potato resume, honey. Oh, my God. That smells so good. So if, if I was shooting video, you would see uh, Chef Maddie holding up a half of a loaf of bread to my face and then squeezing it yeah. so that the aroma <laughs> comes out of the bread. And it smells fantastic. You, you I did swoon a little bit, and um, you said this is your best seller. This is, right here, the uh, classic sourdough and this uh, potato bread. It's got real potato. <laughs> nice. He's pointing out pieces of potato right there in the bread. Uh, I get my honey from Furley Farms about four miles up the street. Uh, the honey, they feed off of dogwood, and uh, I can't remember what else it is, but the honey's got a very smooth flavor to it. It balances well with the potato and everything. Nice. I don't. I don't know. What it is you know, my neighbor across the street makes honey. Okay. And, and, and I live just five minutes away, so I don't know. I, I've noticed. I I don't get too fancy about it, but I think the Candler honey, because uh -huh. you because know, the beekeepers will start talking about terroirs and things. You know, like in like uh -huh. how the honey is so basic to the things around here. I don't know what's around here, but but the honey in, in Candler is always. Uh, my attention more than other local ones. I, just, I don't know why. That's interesting. Dogwood sourced honey. Dogwoods are all flowering right now, so those bees will be active. And, <laughs> and uh, the sourwood honey from around here, actually, some people consider it the best honey in the world. Yeah. So I've tried all kinds, and it really just really depends on where the bees are living and what they're feeding on. Uh, the last honey I was using, the wildflower honey. It fed off so many random flowers that it was so robust. Like, it was really good, but it was like, almost like a ping pong ball, the taste of it. It was like, just all over. I wanted something a little more smooth and just forward, and just had the great taste of honey. Right. You know, the other one, you could almost taste like all the different flowers, the flowers. and everything mm -hmm. in it. And it was like, just a little too much for what I was trying to do, but very good. But yeah, that's a, that's an old school potato bread. Yeah, that's fantastic. Very um, soft in the side, very crusty on the outside. Mm -hmm. Be great with uh, butter, toasted a little bit with butter. Uh, with, uh, Give me a big thing of beef stew to dip this that in. That is the best Come to make on, a roast beef sandwich out of. Roast beef sandwich, perfect. You make a roast beef sandwich out of that, kills it. It kills it. That's great. It's so good. You know, the, so many of the foods that, that you highlight in, in your travels and your tours and everything, It's you see people yearning for peasant food or basic food that's then elevated in some way i think that's these breads it's it's what it is yeah exactly there's no it's exactly what it's, it is it's, it, when it's at its most basic it's perfect so we'll, now the pastries though this is i mean pastries grand, are grandma's, fancy grandma's not turning these out no <laughs> how many layers did you say was in that croissant uh the croissant's probably uh it's up to around 400 <laughs> That's insane. Sorry, that's, that's, that's crazy. And you said it has both a book and an envelope fold? I, it's got two two double books. Two double books. I don't even know what that I means. Is that a method uh, of folding? Yes. Yeah, so if you have a piece of paper, fold this side, this side to the center, and okay. you take that, and you fold it. Okay. And it looks like a book. All right. And then the letter fold is just like you fold a letter over and over. Okay. I would lose count. I hope you like put hash marks for each fold. <laughs> now, this is the present. This is your... Oh, Lord. We, yeah, we did the thing where he squeezes the bread in front of my face again, and it smelled really, really good. I love bread. Bread is my favorite thing. I can eat, like, a, a bag of bread. Like, no problem. You can see how tender it is. That's yeah. the big thing. That's not right there. Look at that cut that you just... That's yeah. That's really what we shoot for around here. It's, like, tender bread. Mm-hmm. Mm, that's really good. 
not overly hydrated, but the amount of water that's in this one, mm -hmm. so the baker's percentage, uh, flour is your 100%. Everything else falls into whatever percent of ingredient goes in it. Like but the ultimate is based off 100%, which is flour. This has 90% water. So it's almost like a batter. Wow, nice. And then as it develops and grows and matures, as you're shaving, it gets strong enough to hold itself up. But you give it a good strong bake, and that's what helps it keep for a long time. That's what makes the inside real tender. Yeah. It keeps the ferment happy. Keeps the ferment happy. Mm -hmm. that, that's one of the goals of a bread baker is to have happy ferment. Absolutely. Yeah. I'll show you, though. She probably needs to be, she needs to be fat because she got used. That's a bumper sucker, man. Keep your ferment happy. Yeah, keep ferment happy. Oh, is this a happy ferment right here? Oh, this is mother. She's a mm. mother. Mm, mother smells great. Mother is a bucket of uh, ferment. Oh, is that we just calling this yeah. ferment? Wait. She's all bubbly and stuff, oh, and she's that happy. Me, just... yeah. Oh, yeah, that, that triggered Doc's inner beer drinker right there. Yeah, no, that smells wonderful. So, mother is the source of the ferment for all of your breads. Yeah, for um. Yeah, pretty much for a bulk of them. Where's the rye? Oh, there she is. And here's the... Uh... So the rye ferment is different? Oh, wow, that smells great. Oh. Yeah. That's what the puppy's made out of. I don't know. That's great. Oh, the, the, the inner workings of the bakery here. I love it, man. Everything thrives off this. This little container right here... We go out of business, we don't have it. Right. Um, Precious. <laughs> and uh, speaking of the bakery itself, we're here in the basement of your house. Correct. Yeah, and you've converted it into a real, you called it yourself, just a real basic bakery. Yeah, it's a production shop and just uh, basically the nuts and bolts of what we do. First you can get real fancy and get all the equipment and <laughs> stuff right here, but this right here is a very grounding experience. The yeah. weather dictates your day, you know, mm -hmm. it gets real cold. All of a sudden, you got to get real creative on how to keep the doughs warm. You know, you got to keep everything nice and cozy so they grow. So it, it gets challenging. Then when it gets real hot in the winter and in the summertime, yeah. then you got to figure out how to get the doughs cooler and keep them under control, you know. So each of these breads from the very, from the, when the dough is mixed, they're tw they age 24 hours from the mixing time. And then the ferment is you could tack on another eight hours onto that. So they're roughly a 32-hour bread takes to make these. And apart from the breads, we have the cinnamon rolls, the croissants. We had an amazing cheese danish. That cheese danish <laughs> was phenomenal. Uh, the cheese part was very fluffy and light, and it was just cream cheese, you said, and egg all whipped together. And cream cheese, egg, butter, uh, vanilla, sugar. I, I, again, I keep waiting for you to drop some secret thing on us. No, no you just keep, <laughs> it's that, no, it's this, that. Man, here's the white one. Mm, that one smelled good, too. I want to see if I can get some audio of the sound of squeezing the bread. <laughs> that's very, that's, you know, it's got to excite all your senses. Yeah. Visual, you know, it's like you're hearing, you get to hear the crunch. Yeah. excite everything. No, there's a nice moist crunch, yeah. if you can imagine the sound of a moist <laughs> crunch. And these, we know what ASMR is really about. And these breads keep so well. Mm. Oh. That one's excellent. Mm, I love that. Mm, give me an egg and cheese sandwich yeah, made out of that. Classic. Oh my God, put some bacon on it. Mm, awesome for avocado the toast moisture. right there. That's actually it doesn't even need a spread like butter. It really could just use another ingredient like a bacon, like an, mm -hmm. element, an element, you know? Like. Just some avocado spread on right? a piece of that stuff toasted would be beautiful. Oh, this is the ciabatta? Mm -hmm. Yeah. This one. Mm, all right, more squeezing and sniffing. This, is, uh, this one's like infused with olive oil. So, okay. Yeah. I'm making a small pile of, yeah. of half bitten pieces of yeah. bread right here to take with me. This, like, give me two loaves and a bottle of olive oil. And then leave mm, the room. Like, you got that it. one's really good. The ciabatta's really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's the probably that's up there. 
You know, mm-hmm. they kind of switched. They go like they got trade like first and second and third places. Like the breads, like sometimes you know, one will be really popular for a long time, and it'll kind of slow down. And something I thought that is oh. kind of waiting behind suddenly picks up. And so like, but we have a good variety. So people have a lot to go through, you know. Yeah, you do. You have a great variety. This is only some of them. We still I didn't make you the sesame or the multi. Do you have um, a favorite sandwich? I'm sorry, I'm sorry about the only one. Would you have a favorite sandwich? Man, uh, hmm. like if you recently, I would say on the potato bread with just like a good cheese, roast beef, and grill it like you do a grilled cheese. Mm. Crispy, oh, wow. soft. Ugh, I eat that all day. Sounds it's so great. Good. Yeah, it's so good. And this one's the Asiago Parmesan black pepper oh. with a little cornmeal crust. You can hear this one. That's the sound of bread crunching. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man, it's got it all. Oh, that one smells really good. <laughs> it's got so, all the yeah. cheese in it, man. Visually, the Asiago one looks really tasty. Like the crust is just really crispy looking. So visually, boom, yeah. right there. The cornmeal gives it the rustic thing going on. Yeah, yep. and also has a little, just, you know, a little corn to it. Oh, dude. Mmm. The crust is very crispy. Mm. The cheese is like, I loaded it up with cheese. It probably mm-hmm. pulled back a little bit on it, but it's, uh, it's good. Man, that's amazing. That one's really, really good. Yeah, I'm ha- I like this one, too. Mm. Wow. We'll serve this on the side of some spaghetti. Ah, oh, man. Mm-hmm. Forget about right? it. Right? Forget about it. So that, that, that. And then... We will do the baguette. Okay. This is, you can't go to a bakery without a baguette. Hey. Talking to you. It's talking. If if y'all could see the smile on the chef's face when he looks at, touches, talks about his own product. Uh, I mean, talk about a salesman. Just the smile on his face will sell you on anything. All right, trying the baguette right now. That Asiago. The Asiago's a win. Wow. Yeah. You like that one? Yeah. yeah. That, that one needs to stay dead. <clears throat> Perfect. Yeah, that was going on. So good. And, he, and he's right. Like, mm. That doesn't need to be, you don't need to add things to that. That is almost like, like you need to put that in the marinara. You know, like yeah. that's, that's, that's an added element to something else. Mm. Now I call this the field baguette because in some... This is like a hybrid dough. It's got a pulish and a, a levain in it. So we use like a minimum amount of yeast here. If we do use yeast, it's usually in a pre-ferment, but we rarely add it to the dough. So it's just use a very pinch on certain products. The baguette's a hybrid. Chibata's a hybrid. Okay. Uh, everything else, and the rye's a hybrid. Everything else are just strictly naturally leavened sourdough breads. But this one I call a field baguette because... In the ferment, I also ferment rye and whole wheat in it. So it gives it like that earthy nuttiness. And mm. also it gives a, a more fuel. So it's really active starter because the rye really gives it enough sugar to feed off of. And that's what gives it this very distinct. So it's like sweet. Mm, yeah. Oh my God, that smells so good. And I, I ate some and it's perfect. It's a good baguette. I like it a lot. And... Like, we're eating a bunch of bread. They all have crust, and then the inside, and they're all so remarkably different. The crust yeah. is so different on each one of these, yeah. and the crust on the baguette is really, really nice. The sandwich breads, the, the wheat, and the, and the way they're not as, as crunchy, those have that perfect, perfect crunchy. You think, like, man, this is going to be hard, and then it releases into this soft yeah. crumb thing. You're just floating and... Uh, like yeah, words. it's crusty without it's being like a, a, a really good bread. mouth shredder. You know how some bread can just mouth shred shredder. the roof of your yeah. mouth? This isn't going to happen. No. Yeah, that means you, usually that means you need more water in the bag. Okay. It does that to you. See, that's like... Oh, yeah. That's perfect. how it needs to be. Yeah. yeah. And that right there, he just, he just cut the baguette lengthwise, and that right there, put some ham and some butter on there, yeah, and you're walking the streets of Paris in your mind right there. Right. I want chicken spidey on that. I want spidey. You know the... New York, the Spidey Chicken. I don't know the Spidey Chicken. S P I E D I. It's like a Binghamton, New York. It's a Central New York thing. Okay. Anyway, that it's 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 a lot of oil. You know, like where we're from, the the Italian mm-hmm. sub, the yeah, grinders yeah. or whatever. You know, you yeah, just yeah. lots of that oil. This bread can handle that because because inside yes. you soak it up and that 
And then the baguettes can be like, no, I got you. That's not going to drip all over your hand. Agreed 100%, Doc. That is a perfect sandwich bread right there. I just keep thinking of different sandwiches with each loaf that's coming at me. Oh, yeah. You can't help it. Definitely. Yeah. And this bread, these baguettes keep longer than your normal baguette because we use a lot of good ferment in it, a high amount of it. So and a slow process and, like I said, no yeast. So it's all like it gets to keep area. It's not rushed. So it goes through like a nice slow process so it maintains its water because <coughs> when bread's, even as you mix it, you got it in buckets and you get shape and everything like that, through time it loses water, it evaporates. And uh, just sitting there, you know, water just comes out, like your skin dries out. Yeah. And so you gotta give it enough water in the beginning so when it gets to the end, it's not gonna be a dry little stick, it's gonna be able to withstand the heat and not get too crunchy and cut your mouth up. There you go. You know, so we really push it. We don't overdo it, so your bread's like gummy uh-huh. or like no, just too chewy. Mm-mm. So it's this definitely not balance, you know. Yeah, it hold. It seems like it would hold up to toasting without being dried out. Yeah. For one thing, totally. And totally. there's one thing that I love more than bread. It's toast. Oh, really? I love toast. Yeah. Yeah, man. Raisin, raisin cinnamon, raisin toast. Any, give me just toast, <laughs> toast everything. Yeah, my toaster is my best friend. Mmm, that's got a really nice odor to it as well. So which one is this? This is the a rye, G- German rye. The German rye. This is what I think it's like. I know. Yeah, it's like a brown Cuban, bread. Well, Cuban sandwiches being the rage, but a ham on rye is a classic sandwich. Oh, ham on rye needs to make mu- a comeback. A little mustard, just a little mustard. Uh-huh. Mmm, oh. that's a great <laughs> rye. That's awesome. Wow. And rye breads can be a little aggressive, or you know what I mean? A little, like, oh, yeah, they can turns be. people off. Oh, that's that subtle and nice. That'd be great with cream cheese. Really good. Olives. And this bread keeps so well. It gets better. Usually I wouldn't even eat these until like mm. at least 24 hours after they're baked. Good. Really? Cause they, yeah, because it has to mature and ripen. Okay. So this bread will taste two, three, four days. Each day will have different tastes. Usually the, the rule of thumb is usually for these kind of rye breads, the third day is when you get the best flavor. Interesting. Huh. Like potato salad. That means a dark, a dark uh, like a beer malt. Yeah. Yeah, Right. Liquid malt we use in this bread. You cut those thin so you can make your own milk with toasts. I'm thinking of toast now. (laughs) Toast applications. Yeah. And God, that would go good with some beer and some cheese. And a little smoked Some mustard. Some sausage. Just Mm. all cut up on a plate. (laughs) Holy crap. Yeah, this is classic, man. This is like way for breakfast most of the time. Mm. Yeah. Our bag keeps you strong. That's great. Well, this is amazing. He, he's right. He called it, Maggie. But like watching you, like each loaf, you smile before you tell. Like, how do you do that after 22? Although I understand. I open up the smoker in the morning. I'm like, it's like magic each time. I'm like, I don't know how it did that, but it does that. That's great, Doug. And it's like some days I feel like I've only been doing it a year. Right. Like some days it's just all these curveballs come at you. And even with experience or anything, it's just like you're still like just barely catching it, catching it, catching it. And it's just like. Sometimes I feel like I've just started. You know, it's bizarre. This one. Now this this one. Pula. P-U-L-L-F-A. Now this is, no one else makes this. This is a very special, very special bread. This is what we eat with. You can bet uh, ice cream on it, Mm. all kinds of stuff. Nice. Which is not to say it's like a desserty kind of. No, it's usually easier for coffee, tea time. So. Right. I've, I've had this bread before. Yeah? Oh, not around here. I've never no, heard I've definitely it had it, like maybe up in Boston. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh, it's awesome. It's straddling the line between cake and bread. And cake, it's pulley. I'll tell you that inside the mouth, like, it's it cake. collapses. Mm-hmm. God, that's good. That's really good. <laughs> that's the highlight. The naked crunch is the highlight. Another salt. There's pearl sugar. Pearl, yeah, pearl that's sugar. what I thought you said. Pearl sugar on top. Sorry. It's okay. But it explodes again with the sweetness. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, from the outside, it almost looks like a, like a pretzel bread yeah. covered in giant pieces of salt. Right. But when you cut into it, mm, it's got such a unique flavor. I don't know if I have had this, actually. because Not many people have. I've had uh, have some anise in it or something? What is the cardamom. uniqueness? Cardamom. cardamom. Green okay. cardamom. We actually use, like, I actually grind the pods and everything, so I don't mm. use the pre-powdered stuff. So you really got to get that punch in there. Well, I think the carbon, I always think of 
Indians curries and things. How did sure. how did Carmen become like the Scandinavian thing? You know what? I wish I had the answer to that. Huh. Someone brought it there from somewhere, right, and they right. just messed their. Uh, they don't have a whole bunch of pastries as far as sweet pastries, but what they are famous for it does have caramel in it and different like berries and stuff like that. Yeah, and this is a superstar bread right wow. here. Pula, it's Pula. called P U L A. P U L L A. Pula. P U L L A. Well, never had anything like that. It's got the diacritics above the A. So. When people want to order your bread, they go online, they go to sisubread.com? Yep, you go to sisubread.com, and uh, you can either email me, or you can text me. All the information's on there. You can just text me and say, hey, Manny, I would like blah, 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 this bread and these pastries on this day, this time. And I say, all right, and I look forward to seeing you. Yeah, easy, yeah, easy peasy. You guys come by and pick it up. All right, well, I think uh, people need to come try this pula, for one thing, yeah. but... Uh, I recommend people basically order one of everything. Anything. <laughs> Anything and everything, for sure. Well, thank you, Chef Maddie, for having us in. Yeah, it was great to meet you. And David, thanks for bringing me out here, man. My pleasure, man. I get to eat bread. Come on. Yeah, and now we can rave about this bread on the whole ride home. Hey everybody, it's me, Stu Helm, here at Food Fan Headquarters, and I have two special guests with me today. I have Flory Pate and Marisha McMorrin from Food Connection, and I'm so happy to have you two here. How are you today? Good. Thanks, Stu. Thanks for having us here. And Marisha, how are you doing? I'm great, and yeah, thank you for having us here. It's a pleasure to be with you today. And Marisha, you're the executive director of Food Connection. Flory, you're the founder and the, uh, or co-founder and the community Perfect. outreach person. And uh, first of all, let's tell everybody what Food Connection is and what y'all do for our city. Who wants to take that? Um, I can I can uh, rattle that off because I've been talking about it for eight years. But what Food Connection does is we rescue unserved prepared food from Asheville area events like fancy weddings, universities, retirement centers, um, catering, UNC Asheville, places like that. And we get it to our neighbors who don't always have enough food to eat. Um, and we do that in, in a few different <clears throat> different ways that we can talk about. Um, one is going directly to nonprofit partners like the Salvation Army and the Rescue Mission. But we've also launched a new program called Mobile Meals. Marisha, do you want to talk about that? Yeah, absolutely. So for those of you who are aware of Food Connection, know that, as Flory said, when we when we started, we were taking large volumes of food directly from our food donor partners to agencies. And then throughout the pandemic, when food rescue slowed to a trickle, we had to be very innovative. And we launched a chef meal program where we, where we were purchasing delicious chef-prepared meals in individual portions and distributing them to the community. And then when things started to open back up, we had a really hard decision to make. And at first thought, we were going to go back to the way things were. And I think most of us have learned that that's not been as simple because through our chef meal program, we realized the great need for individual meals distributed directly to communities and neighborhoods and getting the food to people who otherwise don't have easy access to food resources or might not qualify for food assistance. And so our mobile meal program is born where we take the the bulk portions of food from our donor partners and repackage it into individual heat and serve nutritionally balanced meals. And they include a protein, a starch, and a vegetable. And we really like to see the food truck as an equitable experience for folks that might not have the opportunity to enjoy Asheville's amazing food truck scene. And when they arrive at the food truck, we've got lights and music and we have a menu of choices. So it feels really dignified to the folks who are coming out and they can order and and pick between grilled salmon and roasted asparagus and mashed potatoes or pulled pork and collard greens and gourmet mac and cheese for their families with absolutely no questions asked. The free is food and the food is free and available to anybody who comes to us. That's the most wonderful thing I've ever heard. Oh my God. <laughs> I mean, I love the idea that you, uh, from the beginning, Ash, uh, Food Connection has been able to 
provide that experience as well as just the nutrition to people because um with your traditional you're, you're starting um plan to collect the food from uh fancy dinner parties and stuff like that's fancy food and so that gets out to some people who uh you know they might be going to man of food bank and getting the daily necessities uh for life but you know it's they're not able to experience the food scene like like uh a lot of us do get to do just through food banks and so food connection really gives them that connection to our actual food scene and i, I love that about you guys um that 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 sounds very uh, and let me point out that one of the things about western north carolina is accessibility to food um mm. All the mountains, gullies, twisty roads, people live way up in a mountain. There might not be a grocery store anywhere near them, and there might not be a fancy restaurant anywhere near them either. So your truck brings that experience to them. I like that a lot. Yeah, yeah. and I think, Stu, you totally hit on the quality of food that we're rescuing. I mean, that's why really we got started eight years ago. Um, we did not realize before talking to Pax Tavern that – there was such large amounts of food waste happening. And so really it's at a fancy catered event. People are paying $150, $200 a head. The worst thing that can happen is you run out of food. So caterers will make way more than they could possibly serve in case Uncle Freddie is, you know, bellied up to the buffet for the sixth time and there's no food left. So um, anyway, the quality of food that we found out was getting thrown away. It just made no sense at all. When one in four People in Western North Carolina don't have access to enough to eat on a daily basis. And so I know that your audience is food fans and you're right. a food fan. So I'll just read you one donation that came in very recently. It comes in through a text. This is from the Omni Grove Park Inn. It's ready now. Crab cake, sliced flank steak, tandoori chicken, fingerling potatoes, cauliflower gratin, roasted corn salad, and grilled salmon. Dang, that <laughs> sounds great. Sign me up. Um, I know. And then my husband complains. He's like, damn, and we're eating leftover vegan chili. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Ted. You got to do your part with the vegan chili. I know. Um, I know. Well, that's fantastic because really like um, food is, for a lot of us is the pleasure of life, you know, is to eat some really nice food, some things we've not had before. And um, here in Asheville, which I call Food City USA, uh, yep. we've got a lot of that going on. But in Western North Carolina, we actually have a pretty big hunger problem or food insecurity problem. Let's put it that way. And um and so it's kind of like uh, both ends of the spectrum where you've got this high-end food world and then you've got this high instance of food insecurity. And so organizations like yourself and like MANA and others are trying to lessen that gap between the two worlds. And I really, I really admire Food Connection for what you guys do because it's not just like, all right, folks, here's a can of beans and some rice, which is great too. Rice and beans will let you survive. But you're like, here's some food from the Omni Grove Park Hotel, which is pretty fancy stuff. So, right. Yeah, yeah. that's amazing. And, and Stu, I'd, I'd like to point out too that when we, when we go a little bit deeper, so um, by definition, food insecurity means that you don't have on access to enough food for three square meals a day. And so that's where a lot of the statistics come around. But a little deeper than that, we look at nutrition insecurity. And mm -hmm. so a lot of folks that we serve with the mobile meal trucks through affordable after school programs and affordable early learning centers is really getting the nutritious food to those families. And what we see as the folks that are in the gap are working families who are still struggling to make ends meet. Folks of all walks of life in Asheville, especially right now, are feeling feeling the the pain of rising food costs and gas costs. And we don't we don't have time to talk about, about affordable housing. Mm -hmm. So oftentimes at the end of an eight, 10 hour workday when kids when parents grandparents or caregivers are picking up their children from after school programs, the most convenient and, and most affordable thing to do is buy convenience food by way of fast food or, um, you know, ready to eat food. So 
having the the nutritious meals is really important. And then exposing our children to, like you said, this culinary food scene. And that brings us so much joy. And especially with the, the parents and grandparents and caregivers, when they're so excited to report, like my five-year-old wants the, the grilled salmon and the roasted butternut squash, and they've never had an opportunity to, to experience those food before. And so we, we feel too, like this mobile meals program is helping shape lifelong eating habits from children from a, from a young age. That's fantastic. And yeah, building those, uh, I don't know, like building up your taste buds until they are, you know, a little more sophisticated and you're out. And then like for these kids, when they're adults, they can make more broad choices about what they eat rather than sort of being pigeonholed into uh, certain foods that maybe were the only ones available uh, before you guys were around. So, you know, I want every kid to grow up to be a gourmand. And so I feel like you guys might be helping to make some little gourmands out there. Um, so let's talk about the city of Asheville, which has declared food waste month for April. And we're, we're at the end of April now. Can you tell us some of what has happened already for food waste month and what you guys did to participate? Sure. So, um, we, of course, we call ourselves food waste warriors and April is uh, food waste reduction month proclaimed by the city. This is the third year for that. And so we are extremely proud of the fact that we have kept 205 tons of food out of the Buncombe County landfill. And that's food like the flank, flank steak and crab cakes and everything I was describing earlier. If you can even get your brain around 205 tons, it's kind of remarkable. Um, a lot of people with Food Waste Reduction Month are focused on composting and home composting. And now we have actual public sites where you can take your compost to drop it off, which is amazing. But if you look at the um, EPA's hierarchy of food waste reduction, if you can't reduce um, production at the source level and produce less food, the very second thing you need to do is to feed people. Mm -hmm. And oh, <laughs> and so um, you need to be feeding hungry people and then feed animals and then alternative fuel sources and then compost. And then okay. if you can't do that, throw away food. So we feel like we're definitely meeting the need. And this is um, a, a really great thing that we're celebrating. And I think people are getting more used to thinking about reducing their food waste. Um, I remember a time, I'm showing my age, Stu, you can appreciate this, when very few people recycled. Mm -hmm. Do you remember that? Like I remember oh, yeah. in the 70s and 80s, people would recycle newspapers maybe. And then mm -hmm. now you see people looking around for the blue receptacle with their can. So we've really shifted the culture around mm -hmm. recycling. And our hope is that there is a cultural shift happening that will continue to happen where people are outraged by food waste. And they'll look for alternative ways to to use that surplus food. Well, Asheville's a town where the chefs really do try to reduce food waste. I've never seen so many things get pickled in my life in this town. And <laughs> that's, a lot of that's going how, on. <laughs> oh man! And I was just uh, I talk about this with with my food tours all the time because we we go to White Duck Taco, we get a pork belly taco, it has some pickled watermelon rind on it, right? So that uh -huh. I, I use that as an opportunity about to talk about food waste reduction because watermelon rind is one of those things that went straight in the trash or if you were lucky, went to a hog farm. Uh, but these days, man, they at White Duck, they pickle it up. They make a watermelon sangria or something and then they pickle up the rind and it's delicious. And that's just one teeny tiny example of what the chefs can do on their end to reduce food waste. But of course, they're going to have a lot of prepared food left over on some nights of the week and that's where food connection comes in. So can you describe to me sort of like the bare bones of how that works? Like, let's say I'm running a restaurant at the end of the night, I've got a tray of food left, like just 24 items that I didn't sell. Would I call food connections at that point or is that not enough? Well, I know that you work very closely with the restaurant tours. And when we started Food Connection and we just started working originally with Pax Tavern, mm -hmm. they have a catering space, the Century Room, which I know you've been to. And so when we started collecting and rescuing their food, we were using AVL Ride, the taxi service. Mm -hmm. And it was 
extremely efficient. And then we thought, okay, we're going to announce it to all the restaurant owners in Asheville, which, you know, we had relationships with through Dig Local. And then we said, you know, if you have food to feed 18 people or more at the end of the night, give us a call, we'll get the food. And they basically said, if we have food left for 18 people at the end of the night, we're going to go out of business. Mm. So we quickly realized it was not the restaurants. The restaurants, like you said, they'll pickle it or they'll make soup with some things that are left over the next day. They're very um, innovative with what they can do with their leftovers just because they're running with, on such tight margins. Um, so really, we realized it was buffets and catered events. That would be where we'd be getting our food from. Okay, and, so and also, and also, I want to put in conference centers um, on the outskirts of Asheville. There are so many conference centers, and during the height of their programming and their summer camps, and there are are some of the conference centers that we work with that might have two thousand people on campus, and the people aren't aren't locked or, or captive there, so they can. If it's a beautiful day, they can go you know out and get pizza or go for a hike, but still, the kitchens have to be prepared for everybody to come to breakfast, lunch, and dinner hungry, and so we see a lot of surplus food um, from conference centers as well. Okay. Well, that's, that's great. I didn't, that's uh, some new information for me or, or clarifying for me that that's a great way to put it, Flory. If, if the restaurants have that much food left over, they're doing something wrong. Uh, I know. I was embarrassed to it. learn to not know that when I was asking them, they looked at me like I was crazy. I'm like, okay, I understand now. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, how are we civilians supposed to know these details? Um, right. But but yeah, so then you you immediately pivoted to the people who do have that stuff and and loads right. of it and made for small uh, portion consumption as well. So that might make it easy for you guys to put together a nutritious meal when you've got a bunch of things that are made for for individual consumption at a party or whatever. Right. And I would say easy, like when you say it would make it easy for us to assemble meals. Yes, but I would say that there are so many complex logistics with what we do at Food Connection. I think our concept of getting um, food that's in that's in too much food to people without enough food, that's a very simple concept. But what happens and how we do that is extremely complex because we're, we're talking about highly perishable food. So um, what I would love for your audience to understand is what goes on when a text comes in and there's all this food at a party and then we have a volunteer coordinator and we have a mobile meals manager and um, there's messages and texting and, and tracking sheets that say who got food yesterday, who has food, who has refrigeration, who's there to receive it this time of day, what are we going to need to pack these meals for these kids for this distribution. So we've really grown and our staff is absolutely amazing. Marisha is, she's really helped just grow our organization to meet the need, but it's, it's a lot of moving parts. And so we're always looking to fundraise to get these meals to where they need to go. That's I will also add to that if I can, that, you know, Food Connection has been so efficient um, over the, the um, eight years of our operation and the ways that we've grown. But up until last month, we have had the, the incredible feat of connecting a half a million meals to our neighbors in need in less than eight years. And we have done that with almost zero infrastructure. We have not had a brick and mortar. We move it very quickly we, with very limited refrigeration. And just recently, we have partnered with St. George's Episcopal Church right in Malvern Hills as a central hub. So now we have a refrigerated trailer on site that has an external um, lock or lock access so that our volunteers can take this food right to the truck and then let the program manager know that it's there and what is there so he can be planning how many meals and, and executing that portion of things and then giving us the space and use in the central kitchen in the church as well to be able to create more meals. So we're really excited about for the first time having the central place and then also where folks can come and, and pick up meals. We have we work with several community connectors who may come to us once a week and get 25 meals and take them to their homebound senior neighbors or people in their community that otherwise wouldn't be able to get out and access food. Wow. Um, yeah. I mean, you guys just really laid out how complicated it really is. And I'm sure that was just a fraction of the complications. That was a fraction. <laughs> yeah. And uh, this is a poor analogy, but I learned working for Kickback how complicated it is just to deliver food 
uh, through right. a de food delivery service uh, at a restaurant, you order your food, it comes to your table. If there's something missing, you just tell the server and they bring it to you. But with food delivery, it's a whole different story. It's like a nightmare. If something's missing from the bag. Got to send the driver back to the restaurant and stuff. And that's food delivery, which is like a posh thing that, you know, capitalist adventure that everybody makes money off of. Uh, what you guys are doing as a volunteer and nonprofit organization is sounds about a hundred times more complicated than that. And it's, it's complicated, but it is extremely important. And we're mm -hmm. also extremely efficient. A $10 donation to Food Connection will yield $100 worth of food to our neighbors. Wow. So we're doing that and we're making that happen and, and we're committed to expanding and growing. Um, if you think about it, think about Hendersonville, where we have our eyes on Hendersonville. They mm. have wonderful event spaces and camps and conference centers that are throwing away food as we talk today. At the same time, they have dramatic rates of hunger and food insecurity. Mm. So we want to be all over the place. We want to have our mobile meals truck replicated and, and just out and about rescuing and delivering food all over Western North Carolina. Well, Flory, if you want it, it's going to happen. <laughs> I have been watching you since Dig Local first opened and uh, and Food Connection started. And it's incredible to see what you've been able to do. It's uh, The whole city owes you a debt of gratitude, you and your well, whole team. Well, we have a fabulous team, a yeah. fabulous team and um, community support. So we're hoping your audience today will feel inspired and maybe go to our website, food-connection.org to see if they may want to volunteer or get involved because they're foodies anyway. If they see the kind of food that we're talking about, they may even try to take some home. <laughs> <laughs> and we would, and we would welcome that too. <laughs> we would uh, love them. Uh, so yeah, everybody should go check out food-connection.org. Don't put an S on the end of the word connection like I did. And then I was like, where'd these guys go? Uh, but uh, don't forget the dash. Don't forget the dash. That also messed me up a little bit. But yeah, go there, check out the volunteer opportunities. If you're a caterer or a larger company that has a lot of food waste at the end of the day, connect with Food Connection and uh, work with these guys. You Y'all are doing great things for our city. And you're one of the reasons why we are Food City USA. So thanks Thank for that. You, Stu. Yeah. Thank you so much, Stu. And thanks for coming on the show today. I really appreciate both of you uh, for that. And with the community outreach, the graphics, the photos, the social media, you guys are doing a great job getting what you do out there to the people. So thanks again and have a wonderful day. Thanks, thanks Stu. Stu. Get back to your pickling. <laughs> I'll leave that to the chefs. I'm here to eat the pickles, not make them. Uh, all right, y'all. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Thanks, Bye, Stu. Bye. Oh, the pizza guy is here. Hey, Drew. How are you? I'm well. Pizza's here. Great, man. This one looks awesome. What do we got here? Yeah, so uh, this is a falafel hero uh, pizza. Um, so we start with a uh, tahini and uh, olive oil base. Um, and then uh, we have uh, peppers and onions, uh, some in-house made falafel. Uh, and uh, so after that, oh, and feta cheese. Got feta cheese on there as well. Uh, after that, after the oven, cook it. Uh, we put, do um, cucumber and tomato, grape tomato diced up, and a tzatziki swirl on top. Dang, man. So, yeah, it's got some cooked ingredients and some fresh ingredients. And as always, the crust just looks amazing on your pizzas, man. Yeah, man. It, it's the, the oil. and It, it kind of fries the outside of the dough. So mm. uh, you get a little fried dough, which I love. All right, brother. Well, I can't wait to tuck into this one. And of course, Drew, this pizza is from Asheville Pizza South. What is your address? How do people get your pizza? 1850 Hendersonville Road, Suite A. Uh, check us out. Facebook, Asheville Pizza South. Instagram, same thing. Uh, yeah, come by. Uh, we don't have a dining room, but uh, call us. We'll make you a pizza. Come pick it up. We'll deliver it to you if you're in South Asheville, Arden Fletcher, certain parts. Uh, yeah, give us a call. 828-277-5775 uh, is the phone number. 
Fantastic. And pizza of the year winner from this guy, 2022 and uh pizza fight winner from 2022 as well. So come get some of this award-winning pizza. I can't wait to tuck into this one, Drew, and I'll let my listeners know how it was at the end of the show. Well, I hope you enjoy it, dude. Thank you so much. Thank you. All right, everybody. That's the end of the show. I hope you enjoyed it. Um, just by way of reviewing something, I will say that this pizza from Drew was fantastic. Like I was not expecting to like this one, to be honest with you, because it he sa- it says in the description, I start with some tahini base and then I add peppers and onions. And right there, those are three things that I am not wild about. And I like peppers and onions when they're cooked, but mm, if they're not cooked all the way. I'm not into it. So right there, I was like, mm, I'm not sure. And then tahini usually got a lot of garlic in it and stuff. And that's another thing I try to avoid. And then all the other stuff on top, tzatziki got a lot of garlic. I was like, I'm not sure I'm going to like this one. It was fantastic. Like it was just unbelievably good. And I did actually talk to Drew a little bit later and he said, it's selling like crazy. And so get yourself this falafel gyro pizza from Asheville Pizza South. Um, And that's all the review I have for now. We're running out of time. I'll talk about more food next time. Maybe I'll save a big portion of next week's show just for me to talk about food because I've been eating a lot of great stuff that I haven't had time to talk to you all about it. You can follow me on social media to see it all, though. Uh, Stu Helm Food Fan on Facebook, Instagram, Substack. Find my newsletter and podcast there. And follow me anywhere and everywhere, stuhelmfoodfan.com even. All right, folks. Thank you, WPVM 103.7, the progressive voice of the mountains in Asheville, North Carolina, for taking my humble podcast and turning it into a broadcast. And thank you to all my guests for being on today. And folks, if you eat something good, let me know about it. This episode of the Food Fans Radio Show was underwritten in part by Asheville Food Tours. Did you know that there are over 200 places to eat and drink in downtown Asheville alone? It can be overwhelming. Whether you're a visitor or a local, there's no better way to experience downtown Asheville than taking a food tour with Asheville Food Tours. Details, pricing, and an easy-to-use calendar can be found at AshevilleFoodTours.com. That's AshevilleFoodTours.com.